Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing limits, intuition, self-respect, and letting go. I've certainly felt this and I have had countless clients talk to me about how having boundaries at first feels really mean. And if our boundaries feel mean, it's probably because we don't really understand personal responsibility, the power of owning our choices, and what self-respect is. So I want to share with you a story about Dagmar the cat today. Now, I know that some of you are not cat people and might have a little eye roll or a little dismissive wave come over you. This is a story about a cat, but this is really a story about limits and letting go and boundaries. So I hope you can relate to this story in a way that is useful and that helps you choose a path of self-respect and limits, even when that's really hard. Now, I waited a few weeks to share this because I needed to have it settle inside of me. Uh, A lot of people have asked me inside of the boundaries course, how is it that I have boundaries and feel like a boundary person, but I'm also very open with my story? Well, I'm open with my story, but I have a lot of boundaries around my time and my energy And my tenderness. So if I still feel really tender about something, I'm probably going to sit with it. I'm still processing. It's still raw. And once I process it and it feels settled and solid and I feel grounded in it from that place of strength and clarity, that's where I want to share because that's where I actually have some wisdom when we're still going through it and still feeling it. I don't think we sort of have the wisdom yet from it. So I had to wait. I had to move through this process to be able to get to the place of being able to do an episode about it. So about seven to eight years ago, I had one cat and one dog. I had Sheriff the Chow and I had Merlin the cat. Now, I was leaving my house at night. It was dark. It was stormy. I was in Houston. I was going to a friend's house for dinner and I was running late and I ran out to the car. It was raining and... I heard meow, 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 and I turned around and took a few steps and crouched down. The house next to me had been abandoned, 
and was raised to this little bitty white cat came running out of the darkness from underneath the house and meow, 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 talking to me, jumped right up on my lap and was purring. Completely confident, completely adorable. She was about three months old and I, I hadn't known at the time that all cats that have the three calico colors, black, white, and orange, are female. I also didn't know that this color mutation, it has a distinct personality. Calicos are talkers. They're protesters. I remember that my first intuition about her was different than it had been about my cat, Merlin. My first intuition about this little kitten that would eventually be named Dagmar was who do you belong to? Are you female? I have two boys. Are you supposed to be mine? I left and I let her there and I, and I said to her, okay, if you're here when I get back, you may be my new baby. But she wasn't there that night when I came back. But she found me the next morning and I put her in my garage to keep her separate from my other pets until I could take her to the vet the next day. And she became my baby girl. Well, I'm an HSP, I'm an empath, I'm an intuitive, and I am sound sensitive. And sometimes she'd be annoying and I'd shush her or run her off because she'd just talk at me and talk at me and talk at me. But I worked away from home when I first got her in my brick and mortar therapy office and yoga studio. And that was the way it was for the first few years of her life. So something else I learned about cats that I hadn't known before her was that cats don't just walk around meowing for each other. They meow for humans because they sound like babies crying, and that endears them to us. That makes us go, aww, <laughs> and reach down and give affection. So cats developed meowing to really get us to take care of them and to find them adorable. So for the first few years of her life, I worked away from home. And that really worked for her because I was away from her. That meant she got time in the house away from people, time when she wasn't practicing meowing constantly. And my dog was a chow. He was stoic. He didn't take a lot of attention. A chow is not, at least my chow, was not a dog that vied for my attention. He was very independent and aloof. And sure, he'd come for some loves or some pats and to say hello, but he was a very independent dog, the most independent dog I've ever met, and certainly the most independent dog I've ever raised. And his personality is probably the opposite dog personality to my standard poodle that I have now, Gusto, that you guys hear about if you listen to the show. And if you're on my social media, you see him, we call him the mascot of the show, so he shows up on our Patreon sometimes too. But Dagmar got a lot of attention when I came home and she played queen of the pet household and I let her. It worked. My older cat is Merlin. He's all gray. He's all masculine. He's such a little boy of a cat. We call him beef pudding. He's like just a chunk of masculinity. And I appreciated Dagmar for Merlin. I had never heard him meow. And Merlin had been found in a hole or like a sewer as a kitten. He had been lost from his mama too young. And Dagmar seemed to know this about him. And so for the ways that she was a little bit of a pain in my ass, I really put up with it and allowed it because she was so good for Merlin. He was terrified of her at first, but she was relentless. That little calico personality worked to sort of force her into his space 
she would tackle him with all of her legs like a little monkey. And he was more than double her size back then. And she'd tackle him and then she'd lick him and clean him and give him a bath. And she would do that until he started asking her for a bath and he liked it. And he would come up to her and roll over. So I loved Dagmar for Merlin. She really taught him how to be a cat. And in some ways, she was his spiritual healing mama for a time. So fast forward a few years, I come to Colorado, I start working from home, and Dagmar starts meowing more. Why? Her human is home all the time. So she's talking all the time. And what happened in my relationship with Dagmar was that I changed our dynamic. You know, I moved my business online. I changed her life and her world and her interactions with me. But it was still no big deal. You know, I could shut the door. I could shush her. And it worked. When Chris and I met and then decided to move in together, we had to introduce his cat, Sophia, into the mix with my chow and my two cats. And the jump from three pets to four, I feel like is really a a crazy jump for me in terms of my own limits. But that's what we do. I met someone who had a pet. We merged our households. It's a little chaotic. We both knew that going in. It took the cats a long time to adjust. We also moved a few times. That did not help the cats sort of solidify their relationships and feel really secure with each other. Dagmar upped her talking and what was once meows turned into spine tingling protests. We lovingly but annoyingly called her Fran Drescher, the nanny, and we would say she has no idea how she sounds because her sounds are like nails on a chalkboard. When Sophia meows, it's a sweet little endearing sound. When Dagmar meows, it is like nails on the chalkboard. And that's the thing about Dagmar, also the thing about so many people is that she has fantastic qualities, but also qualities that I find pretty awful that are like oil and water to me. She would bully the other cats, never violently, never physically attacking. She's so sweet. She won't scratch or bite any body or any other animal. She's just a bully in voice. She's bossy. She's pushy. She's obnoxious. She's just dominant. She had to eat first and touch everything that came into the house first. She'd push the other cats out of the way. She would scream at us if she saw Chris and I give any other animal in the house attention. So this kept escalating over time. Chris and I work very hard, and he is sound sensitive too. It developed that Dagmar also did not want me and Chris giving attention to each other and not her. She'd walk up and interrupt our conversations till one of us would gasp in frustration. I can't take it anymore and exit the room and conversation. You're listening to me from our basement studio where we have um, all the podcasting equipment and we have things set up to muffle the sound. The second we would sit down to record episodes, Dagmar would pop up and then we'd have to chase her and she'd run away and we'd try to get her out of the room. So it was like a 15 minute chaotic dance before sitting down to record the show every single time. For two people that run their own businesses, she is a time waster. She is a distraction and an obstacle. One day I just woke up and knew I had to rehome her for the sanity of my household the people and the pets. Her behavior had escalated in the two years since we lost my chow and added a poodle. 
because my poodle demands attention and he does not play second fiddle. He's like having a three-year-old in the house at all times. Chris and I reviewed the timeline of her behaviors escalating. Her disdain, her annoyance, to the best of her ability, she was telling us that she wasn't happy, that she wasn't getting enough, and the amount that we had to give her wasn't enough. You've heard me talk a lot about not feeling good enough. This was really hard for me to watch her struggling, feeling like I wasn't giving her enough, and that I was the one that changed her circumstance, her life, and that it was no longer working. I felt guilty about that, even though it was inevitable and these changes were good for me and necessary. I actually sat down and reviewed my own boundaries course, and I prayed about it in the ways that I pray that are different than the Catholic ways I was taught to pray. Praying for me now is about my connection with nature and with the universe that's holding me. It's not about what any religion or person has told me is prayer. It's about what I've come to feel is my way of praying. And I trusted my intuition, even though that was a hard intuition to process. I didn't want that to be the truth of things. But that's where I was. And that's what needed to happen. And I knew it. So we gave her tons of love and made the decision to not ask her to be quiet or to not shoo her off or shush her and to just pick her up and love her. And I would tell her for weeks, I love you so much and I'm so sorry that this hasn't worked out. And that I was committed to finding her a home where she could be loved and get the attention she wanted and needed and deserved. And I'd cry some more. And I cried for weeks. And COVID hit. Right while I was coming to terms with this decision, I spent a good bit of energy writing an extremely heartfelt email to a rehoming organization. And because of COVID, I got nothing. I got crickets. I wrote how lovely she is, how affectionate and funny. She always goes in the litter box. She doesn't try to escape out the door. She would never, ever scratch or bite a human being or another animal. Gusto proved this over and over again. He would step on her quite a bit and she would scream bloody murder, but she wouldn't scratch or bite him. And that's unfortunate. We needed her to give him a little scratch. She needed to establish some boundaries with him that said, hey, you cannot step on me. You're bigger than me. And if you do, I'm going to have to hurt you. That's how animals communicate. Her sweetness wouldn't let her do it. So she both wanted to be next to him, but also didn't want to give him the corrections that he needed to make that safe and reasonable for them to be together. So Gusto would get amped up and then she'd scream and it was just a chaotic mess for two highly sensitive people. And he thought it was funny with his poodle personality. He'd put his paw on her and look up at us and make a mischievous smile. Like it was funny to touch the cat and make her make this noise. So they were having their own little dysfunctional dynamic of bullying each other. And we had consulted with multiple trainers and our vet. And sometimes it just isn't working. And no one is bad or wrong. It just no longer fits or works. How many times in our lives as highly sensitive people, as survivors, do we have to learn that lesson? That to walk away or to make a change, something doesn't have to be all bad or terrible, or toxic, or vicious, or awfully abusive. It can just be like oil and water. And nobody has to be bad or at fault. It just 
is the way life shakes out sometimes. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. I felt really desperate when I heard crickets from the rehoming agency. How am I going to do this, I thought. I couldn't just bring her to a shelter. I don't have that in me. And she's too sweet and too good. And I only wanted to do a situation where if it didn't work out, I could take her back and try to rehome her again because she could be annoying. So I didn't want her to annoy the next person and wind up in a shelter. So I wanted to retain sort of the control to be able to have her return to me so that I could honor my commitments to that little baby kitten that I made to make sure she'd be okay always. A while back, a friend of ours heard us kind of complaining about Dagmar and struggling with the decision to rehome her or not. And he sort of nonchalantly threw out that he might want her if we really decided to rehome her. Jamal is a friend of Chris's that I've loved like a brother pretty instantly. I love this man's sensitivity, his strength, his thoughtfulness, his quiet introversion, his consideration, and he gives great hugs. So we asked him, hey, were you serious? And so he asked his landlord, and a week or two later, we drove her to his home. Now I cried, and I felt horrible in my anxious mind that was creating stories that swirled. The stories that were swirling for me were, I've left so many people and pets to reinvent my life, to do what's best for me. Why is this happening again? What will Merlin do without her? What am I doing to him? Sending what I think is his spiritual mother away. Will she be depressed leaving the other pets into a household with just one cat? Will she bully the other cat? Jamal's calico lucky? Will she be mean to her? Are we being crazy thinking that calico plus calico will cancel out the calico-ness of these two cats? Or will Jamal go crazy and I'll have to take her back? I've been abandoned and I don't want her to feel like I'm abandoning her. Can you hear how much we project our own wounding onto whatever situation is happening? The second that I walked into Jamal's apartment, I let Dagmar out of the crate and Dagmar was fine. And I was reminded in a way that soothed my heart and my gut instantly. My tearfulness that as a highly sensitive empath is generally right under the surface and anything can make it spill over. I felt that sort of dry up. And I just felt centered and calmed. I was reminded that Jamal and Dagmar have had a special bond and a special relationship since they met. It was a gift to remember that they have been bonded since they met. 
And I saw that right in that moment and I felt it. She walked right up to him, confident little cat. This cat has never been scared going into a new environment, unlike every other cat I've had in my life. So she saw him and said hello and started purring and they had their little special moment like I've seen them have at my house countless times. And intuitively I knew and I felt my body calm down. I reiterated that we would take her back if needed and we were so grateful and he was too. He needed another cat to play with his single cat. And Jamal has this gorgeous view of the mountains and an active street that is a paradise of a view for any cat to stay stimulated. Jamal also works half from home and half at work away from home. That means Dagmar gets time without people and without reinforcing constant meowing. But she also gets him home a lot to soak him up and to get his love and attention. It's been about six weeks since we made this change. We've received pictures and videos of her happy on Jamal's lap, like the satisfied queen she's always intended to be. No competition from a dog. And with the other cat happily submissive to her. Marlon and Sophia, my cats, I thought they would grieve. I thought I'd sent some depression on them. I did not. Immediately, they seemed to be thankful and relieved and seemed to be telling us thank you. Food was poured and they could eat it when they wanted. They didn't have to get in line behind Dagmar bullying them. Marlon and Sophia's relationship is strengthening. They're hanging out more. They're turning into buds in ways that they couldn't do with Dagmar in the mix. And Gusto is learning to be calmer around cats because his cat brother and sister don't make energy amplifying noises at him. Sophia is starting to hang out with Merlin, getting closer and closer in physical proximity. Our household is harmonious in a way that Chris and I needed it to be. And Dagmar is happily the queen of another household. Yesterday, we were sent a video of Dagmar licking Lucky contentedly, something she never did with Sophia. It was because she wasn't happy she wasn't getting her needs met so she couldn't give to Sophia the way I saw her give to Merlin all those years ago. And she's not protesting as much because she's getting exactly the kind and quality of attention she wants and needs to be more contented. I teach boundaries every year because I believe boundaries are the foundation of building the life we need, want, and deserve. I teach boundaries because they are the hardest thing I've ever learned. Because having limits, saying enough or no or not right now or this just isn't working is extremely hard when we were raised to be people pleasers. Making changes that invite societal and familial judgment as HSPs and survivors and empaths, it hurts and it gets inside our heads until we know how to keep it outside of our conscious process. We somehow wind up making choices that avoid an awareness of any possible judgment. And we create lies that are right for others, but not for ourselves. And this is a great culprit of depression, anxiety, exhaustion, sleep deprivation, feeling empty or hopeless. I certainly had thoughts of, oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm such an asshole if I get rid of another pet. And that's so dismissive and disrespectful of the heart that I put into every decision like this that I make, of the struggle 
to find what's best for me and everyone else involved. If Dagmar were a person, I don't know that I could have had the conversation with her to convince her. She needed to be elsewhere for our well-being, but also for her own because of attachment. We are so attached as highly sensitive people. We are so loyal that attachment can become an over-loyalty that actually winds up shooting ourselves in the foot and other people in the name of attachment. Dagmar was certainly attached to us and we to her emotionally. Severing attachments terrifies sensitives, but we must sever so much to be able to let go, to pivot, to grow, to choose where we can and what we can, to choose where we can choose and what we can choose to shape our lives. Knowing that boundaries and choice are my personal power have grown my life in healthy directions. This is why I teach boundaries over and over again. Boundaries are my peace and my freedom in the end. And I can have boundaries and do boundaries in life knowing that change is hard, knowing the stories that pop up are inevitable, but I can own those too and I can kick the dysfunction out of my head. I can let go of the processing that no longer serves me from that anxious place and I can support myself in the boundaries that I need to have the life that I need to build to be able to thrive and not be in survival mode. Today, my story is because I understand my personal power and personal responsibility in this life, I made the loving decision to make a major change for me, for Dagmar, for Chris, for Merlin, for Sophia, and for Gusto. All of us are happier for it. I am grateful that I allow myself to feel it all, I am grateful I have earned the wisdom and maturity to know and believe and act from love. And that love doesn't just endure and allow. Love has limits and says enough and no, and it's time for a change, even though I don't know what will happen. I'm grateful I'm brave enough to invite this kind of unknown and step fully into it. Because I know that sometimes things just can't stay as they are. I can change them from an empowered place or they can change me in a disempowered and depressed way. I no longer endure. I change what I can change when it needs changing. This is the empowered life I'm continuing to build. This rehoming experience was the most loving thing I could have done for her and for me. Boundaries are love. Boundaries are respect. Boundaries are peace. If you're interested in learning and experiencing my boundaries course with me this year, please come sign up and reserve your spot. You can use Early Bird 2020 as a code to help you save money on the full price, or you can choose a three, six, or 12 month payment plan. If you are on our Patreon, use the Patreon code. Do not use the Early Bird 2020 code. You guys get the best discount codes when you're on our Patreon. I want to thank these Patreon producers of the show. You guys are helping us so much get to that goal. We've got a goal of hitting 250 Patreon members. Now we have hit 1.5 million downloads. 
We are working towards having 250 people support us on Patreon. Right now, this moment, we are at 145. We are so grateful for you. You are why we do not run commercials on the show, and we cannot produce it without you. I want to thank Kate F., Pat L., Caitlin, Tanya R., Samantha D., Ann W., Tiana M., Jessica, Gabriella, Katie, Victoria, Lisa H., and Jan H., Thank you for supporting the high quality production of this show. Every time someone finds this show, they learn about being highly sensitive. They no longer have to feel crazy and confused and other than. They connect with a tribe and hopefully feel unalone as they begin the journey to understand what it is to be a highly sensitive person, to be an insightful survivor, to be a seeker. And to take care of ourselves and to explore and own everything that that means so that we are living the very best one precious life, like Mary Oliver says, because that's what we get, this one precious life. I also want to say thank you to all of you who took your time to vote for us at Podcast Awards. I don't know if I can do this part without crying. I have no idea how many of you voted, but if you did, thank you so much. We've made it into the semifinals for our The Podcast Awards in the category of health. So we are one out of 10 shows. There's no more voting you can do, so don't run to try and vote for us unless you got an email from Podcast Awards, then you are part of the special selection committee to help figure out who the winner is. So as soon as we know, we will announce to you Thank you so much. Every bit of exposure connects people to the show and this material. That was my goal for the show. And you guys have helped me make it happen. Healing is so exponential. Thank you for your contributions in your own life to the world and to everything that you do to show people what change looks like and how to be the change you want in the world. Take care of yourselves and I'll see you here next time. Till then, remember... I'm an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets Mindful. Light and love. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.